Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM. Are you getting married soon? Um, have you chosen the guna? Yes. Are you going to have a meringue with hoops in it, or what are you going to have, or something short and slinky and tight? What are you going to do? Would you know who invented the white, or who first wore a white wedding dress? Would you even know that the first wedding dresses were blue? Maybe that gives rise to the old poem: "Something borrowed, something blue." I don't know. Maybe Michelle. And Gwen can help Michelle O'Mahony and Gwen McGurk, who are putting together an exhibition of wedding dresses in Dunmanway over the next couple of weeks. But but both of you are fascinated by the history of the wedding dresses. Um, Michelle, there's a thing: Queen Victoria began the trend for wearing white wedding dresses. When and why? Morning. Good morning. Good morning, TJ. Um, uh, just to get back to Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria, yes, she introduced sort of the idea of the whole notion of the white wedding dress and the idea of purity. Um, but I suppose I could take you back a little bit further where the white wedding dress came from. In terms of Irish history, we've all heard of the mythological race of people who inhabited Ireland, the two of the Danann. Yeah. And there was a number of deities and female goddesses in the two of the Danann. And they've always been associated with a sort of a pale sea green blue. So traditionally in Ireland, we would have had, even in the 1930s, coming right back to pre-World War II, we would have had people choosing like a blue suit, a blue dress. And I decided where did the idea of blue come from in terms of Irish mm-hmm. Irish history. So I went right back to the two of the Danann and found that the goddesses there wore blue as a symbol of purity. Now, traditionally, we would always associate white, the white wedding dress, the idea of virginity and purity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But actually, blue is in the Irish folklore. Yeah. Right back to the two of the Danann, I think it was the goddess Danu. And then that seems to have permeated through our history, um, this association with blue. And there's also it's also sort of a royal regal colour as well at times. And the Which Romans maybe brings in the whole greenery. And, and does that, yeah. is this where the something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue gets its I'm not quite. Origin. I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely significant because this whole blue colour has been permeating fashion down through the years and down through our culture, whether it's pre-Christian times with the Druids in Ireland and it's also coming down as blue okay. has been a colour associated with purity even in the Roman civilizations in ancient Greece there's an element of blue coming through and a lot of the lapis lazuli mm. stones are always blue when they're used for protection okay. so, the so wed- then so wedding dresses 
used to be blue? Used to be blue. Not all of them, but there's there's a particular element of blue coming through right through the history of wedding dresses and okay. even right into Hollywood glamour. I was saying to Emer yesterday, the um, the heiress for the Dodge company, the automobile company, yeah. uh, Frances Dodge, when she got married in the 1930s, she had 900 guests to her wedding and everything in her wedding outfit had to be blue Crikey. and also her guests had to be blue the table settings were blue <laughs> she literally went to town on the blue <laughs> and the blue wedding breakfast mm, okay. and then a few years later what you know is we've always heard of wallace simpson wallace simpson's dress was actually a very pale cornflower blue I see. so you know it, it's gone into hollywood glamour as well but i know gwen will be able to fill you on a little bit and more i'll talk to you more on Queen second, victoria's dress you mentioned something else as well that's kind of gone out of fashion and that is the wedding breakfast now i'm old enough to remember wedding breakfasts, that you had the wedding the mass, the wedding itself at maybe half eight, nine o'clock in the morning, and you'd be sitting down for breakfast, it actually was a breakfast rather than the big evening dinner we have now when did that change? I think that changed a lot of the changes tended to happen within the emergency and during the time of the rationing period in Ireland, so people really kind of stopped with the wedding dresses. I know my grandmother in in the 1930s, in the late 1930s, she chose a suit for her wedding, and most people would have, as you know, the churches at the time, a lot of the services were 8 o'clock in the morning, mass would have been at 7.30 in the morning, so the marriages tended to take place in the morning, and then you would be following that with a wedding breakfast. Now, depending on your wealth and your status after the wedding breakfast you might change your outfit and then you might have an evening event yeah, again that's happening and now you would again. have you would have a dinner you would you would have that and would turn into like the two-day event and even something as recently as a few weeks ago i located a copy of harper's bazaar from 1906 from the edwardian era it's a, a copy of it and looking at the images and the trousseau and the wedding of wedding um fashions one of the items was a three sort of three different wedding dresses to take you through the day from the wedding breakfast the most formal dress and then if you're wealthy enough you bought another one for the afternoon event and then you had sort of a, a more ball gown effect for the evening event so yeah. you know dep- depending on your social status and depending on your wealth yeah. you literally could make your event as big as you wanted and this was right back in 1906 offering three dresses for a day and now so, we so, so we didn't invent we didn't invent the whole three dresses and many changes of clothes no. thing in the eighties no. and nineties and nineties. No, no, th- 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 this has been going on throughout history, depending on your social status. But it's just becoming a little bit more common now. Hmm. I suppose the era of Hollywood glamour meant we all wanted that perfect dress that emulated one of the celebrities. Yeah. And now we're going into like the two day wedding, the afters, the slinky dress for the evening where it's less restrictive and you can dance in and you don't have the high heels. And then mm. you can go into the next day's event, maybe for a barbecue or an add on. So, yeah. so it's becoming a weekend event now. Oh, stop, will and you? you know. <laughs> it is, it is. And you're going, God, I'm going to need a bank loan just to go, let alone, to let go. alone have a wedding. Now bring in Gwen at this stage, Gwen, <coughs> Gwen McGork. You have a collection. Of, of wedding dresses that you've been amassing for quite a few years. Morning to you. Yeah. Yes, I do. Good morning. Um, yes, I have... Um, I've been seriously collecting since 2015, but um, it goes right back further because I am originally from Dublin, but my mum's from Kinsale and my grandmother was a dressmaker. So I just grew up... Um, every time I come down to my grandmother, she had the old 
1920s, you know, pedal machine. And so she made a lot of wedding dresses and she made my mom's dress, mm-hmm. which in the 50s would have been really unusual to wear white because there was the rationing. And um, she had a brother um, in America who, you know, lent them the money and she was able to buy the material. And then it was this very beautiful satin at the time that was had it was the new synthetics, you know. So yeah. I was always interested in that. And I was a kid, I went to, uh, I studied fashion design in um, the National College of Arts in Dublin and did fashion and textiles. And then while I was a student, there was a competition uh, for wedding dress of the year. So I've always been interested in, nice. but mostly I was always hanging out in, you know, vintage stores and looking things online. And then I started to really seriously collect, uh, probably about 2015. So the oldest dress I have is, um, I bought in 2018 actually, which is, I've dated it to 1860. Get away. And, yeah. And they yeah. weighed a ton, those old ones, didn't they? Actually, this one is so light. Mm. I was given it by an antique dealer and it had been torn and we were, it, we could see some things were not quite right to, to date it. This actually is made of a type of muslin, which I think is even before 1840 because it's completely handmade. Wow. And the reason the Singer sewing machine would have been invented around 1851 and then maybe it became more a family machine maybe in the 1860s, 1870s. But this one is very special. It's actually like a muslin with little flocking in it. And it's so delicate. Myself and Michelle, when we took it out of the box, we were wearing white gloves, you know, because it's... Some of of the older ones were really heavy because they had silicon in them and they had pearls in them and and loads of other things. satin. Satin, 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 which is heavy. Come here, can anybody answer me this question? Who invented or where did they get the idea for it? Do you remember them? They used to be known as a meringue. They had hoops inside them and you had to get help to go through the door with them. Who came (laughs) up with that idea? (laughs) Can anyone take Um, that on? All right, I, I suppose I'll, I'll take you back to the Baroque era, um, PJ, right back to kind of the, the image you would have of Marie Antoinette. It almost looks like her dress is really very, very wide at, at the hips because yeah. it's almost like it's a bustle on each hip. And in the Victorian era, you just had the bustle at the back to kind of make the, the dress look huge. And then you would have almost like a cage underneath That's it. That's right, yeah. Um, and um, basically, the two panniers or the side hoops, or as I like to call them, the saddlebags on the side. And that was designed so that the dress would fall dead straight like a big tri- rectangle in the front of your dress. So you showed off your wealth by the embroidery and the amount of gold thread or whatever <coughs> you had it embroidered with. So you were on display from side to side. Now, I was talking to an etiquette specialist who's actually coming to give us a bit of a Downton Abbey moment on Saturday oh, in, the, in our event. And she told me that when the dresses were so wide, when you sat down or moved through a door, you would have to move sideways That's to right. get through the door. Or you would have to kind of, when you sat down then, whoever was sitting next to you was going to be at arm's length because they couldn't sit up against you. So this then was reflected in the place setting. So where a female was sitting on the table, you had to have an extra large place setting for her <laughs> because if you had somebody next to her, they wouldn't be able to eat because they'd be up against the panniers and the hips and the bustles. And the sheer mortification then if she got caught inside the toilet yeah, and couldn't so, get out the door. So, like. so so then these 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 sort of, I suppose, with the emancipation of women and the suffragette movement, all these restrictions sort of gradually disappeared and it became more fluid. And then back in the ni- in the 1960s, there was two types of dress, and I know my mum has one, 
and you had this large hoop that goes in to spread out the skirt. Now, That's right. they weren't as restrictive as the ones back in the Victorian and the Baroque era. Um, so you had that type in the 60s or in the 1960s, you had the mini dress because Mary Quant had decided to pioneer the mini skirt. That's a very so famous photograph of her. That's a very famous photograph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to so get a big cut for time dress. here. I'd love to stay with the two of you for, for ages because it's very funny. Um, the, the history <laughs> can be funny at times. Michelle, you have a book, Famine in Cork City. Yes, yes, PJ, I have. I was talking to Emer about it, and Emer actually remembered. We've relaunched it with Mercier Press. So about 18 years ago, I was actually on 96FM talking about famine in Cork City, and it delves deep into the history of Cork Workhouse and what happened during Cork Workhouse during the famine years in Cork City. It's a mixture of statistics, stories, how people lived, um, how people experience the famine inside in the workhouse in, in terms of the institution. So that was relaunched last last week. It's backed by popular Excellent. demand um, by Mercier Press. It's available online and in select books, bookstores, and it's also on Amazon.com. Excellent. Uh, but it would make fantastic, a fantastic read or something for people to send away to people abroad who Excellent, have a connection with Cork City. We were hugely impacted by the famine in Cork, and sometimes we'd forget that. Lastly, and, and briefly, Gwen, just give me details of the event this weekend so that we can wrap up that way. Yes, okay, so we're starting on Friday the 1st from, we've got a really nice event for the ladies as well with Prosecco, so that's from 5 o'clock to 9, and then there's going to be like a mini wedding fair, um, and then Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m., so it's okay. going to be a family event, okay. and not just for brides-to-be, you know, so there'll be lots of things to see and do. Excellent, and it's all in Dunman way. Thank you. Uh, thank you both. I've got to get out of there because of time, but uh, Gwen McGurk and Michelle O'Mahony. Quartz 96 FM. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.